September 29, 1865. They have to get some blacksmithing done. Mr. Kirkland and Mr. Ryan are nailing horseshoes. September 30. Frank is making harness. At traded all the cattle off for mules and traded the cow for beef. Today has been very windy. Mrs. Kirkland and I were baking light bread when her dress caught fire and she was all in a blaze when I saw her and would have been badly burned if it hadn't been for Frank. He put the fire out. I'm Jen Globius, and this is the Helenaki Deep Dive, a podcast about the process of mapping and analysis for historical and archaeological research using open source tools. In this episode, I'll discuss the Kirkland family, who became close friends with the Shacklefords on the 1865 journey from Missouri to California. Let's dive in. So where we're going to start today is with what Ruth Shackelford writes about the Kirklands in her diaries. Now, remember that the Shackelfords started on May 1st, 1865. The first mention of the Kirklands, which Ruth wrote as Kirklands, like L-I-N instead of L-A-N-D, um, her, her first mention of the Kirklands was on May 26th, so about a month after the Shackelfords had started out. And she writes, quote, Mrs. Kirkland's little boy is very sick. I don't think he can get well, end quote. And this is while they had just joined up with the larger train after they got in, across the Missouri River and were in Nebraska. And this is shortly after that big train sets out. The next mention is a few weeks later on June 17th, quote, Mrs. Kirkland stayed at the wagon with her little boy. He is not well yet, end quote. Still while they're in Nebraska, and it would be another month before she wrote about them again. And when she does, in mid-July, she says that Mrs. Kirkland was very sick. So nothing about the little boy. The little boy was fine. But at this point, Mrs. Kirkland was sick. And then a month after that, on August 21st, she mentions that Mrs. Kirkland took little Annie to see Mary Gatewood before Mary died. And then Mrs. Kirkland was, along with the with Sue and Mary Ryan, had dressed Mary Gatewood for her burial. So in this month, and by this time, it must be that the Kirklands have become closer friends with the Shacklefords and Gatewoods, that she's now trusted to take care of the little girls. Um, she helps dress Mary Gatewood. Like, a few days later, Mrs. Kirkland does washing for Ruth. So, definitely by this time in August 1865, the Kirklands had been become close with the Gatewoods and Shacklefords. And this would just continue, and like, to California and then entirely on the trip back. So, we have no names about the Kirklands, except for... This entry, April 12th, 1868, where Ruth listed who was traveling with them, and that included, quote, Abraham K. Kirkland and wife and three small children, end quote. And that's all we hear about their names, but they were very close with the Kirklands, the, the Shacklefords and Gatewoods. Even with that, when that group split off to take another route in western Texas, those three families stayed together. And they headed to Center Mills in Hood County, Texas, near to where Abraham Kirkland's brother, Jacob, was living and working as a blacksmith. 
And as I've discussed on an earlier episode, at well, Gatewood ended up marrying Jacob's sister-in-law, Emily Oxer. And then they start off with the Kirklands and Shacklefords, but then the Gatewoods end up staying in Texas, while the Shacklefords and Kirklands together continued on to Roscoe, St. Clair County, Missouri. And so that's what we know from Ruth. Like, we know some of the family relationships. We have Abraham's name, but nothing else. So, of course, I did research. One of my favorite things. And let's talk a bit about the Kirkland family. So the Abraham and Jacob Kirkland, who appear in Ruth's diary, were not the first two brothers with those names in that family. In the generation before... Their father, Jacob Kirkland Sr., was close with his brother, Abraham Kirkland. The elder Jacob and Abraham married sisters, the daughters of Robert McGee, in Mercer County, Kentucky. Abraham and Elizabeth Betsy McGee married in October 1817, while Jacob married Margaret McGee in August of 1822. From Kentucky, the Kirklands and many of the McGees then moved to Missouri. Uh, The first of those was David McGee, Betsy and Margaret's eldest brother, who filed on land in Cooper County, Missouri, just the west of Boone County in the center of the state, in 1820. Abraham Kirkland, the younger brother, was in Missouri by 1828 when he first claimed land in Monroe County, the county to the east of Shelby County, where William Franklin Shackelford had lived in the northeastern part of the state. Abraham Kirkland was noted as one of the pioneers of of Monroe County, as one of the earliest to settle there. It seems like Jacob Kirkland first moved to Boonville, Missouri, in Cooper County, and resided there in 1830, along with his brothers-in-law, Robert and David McGee, before Jacob then claimed land in Monroe County near his brother Abraham, and he started purchasing land land patents in 1833. Both Abraham and Jacob Kirkland would purchase land in Monroe County through the 1830s. As far as I can tell from land patents, however, Abraham only acquired around 80 acres while Jacob had acquired 440 acres by 1840. It is possible that Abraham had purchased land some other way, since the tracts he purchased through land patents were not contiguous, but I don't have any documents to back that assertion up, so what I can say is he had 80 acres of land. And unless I can find other documentation otherwise, that's how much I'll assume he had. So let's focus on the family of Jacob Kirkland, who had a growing family. Children were born, I think the eldest in Kentucky, but then the rest of the children were born in in Missouri. In 1850, so listed as living in one household, was Jacob Kirkland Sr., age 51, a blacksmith, with $300 of real estate which was probably the 28-year-old black female he had enslaved. Margaret, Jacob Sr.'s wife, was 46. Abraham, who was named for Jacob Sr.'s brother Abraham, he was 17, and he's the one who traveled with the Shackleford's. He was 17 in, in 1850. 
and he was a blacksmith. Elijah, or Elisha, he's listed both ways in different documents. He was not named for anyone else in the family, as far as I can tell, but he was 15 and a blacksmith. Jacob Jr., age 13, was not yet a blacksmith, but we know he was by the 1860s. Jacob and Margaret's daughters, who were not blacksmiths, surprisingly enough, were named Martha, age 25, Eliza, who was probably named for her aunt, Elizabeth, or Betsy. She was age eight. And then Margaret, age six, was probably named for her mother, Margaret. In a separate household nearby was Jacob's eldest son, John Kirkland, named for Jacob Sr.'s father, age 27, and a blacksmith. And he was living there with his family. So you might have noticed that Jacob Sr. himself and all of his sons, at one time or another, worked as blacksmiths. So I'm going to take a little tour to discuss blacksmithing at this time, in the mid-1800s. So... At this time, blacksmiths were needed in every community because most transportation was still dependent on horses. So where you didn't have railroads, the way that you transported goods and got around was via horses. And horses needed, they needed horseshoes, usually put on by blacksmiths. But in addition to shoeing animals such as horses, oxen, mules, etc., Blacksmiths also repaired wagons, and they sharpened plows and other agricultural implements. So they usually had a lot of, they they would have a good amount of work to do in rural communities. In the 1870s, blacksmiths were semi-skilled. They were considered semi-skilled. So they made more than day laborers or teamsters would, who were kind of the bottom tier. They made what today would amount to between $42 and $50 per day. But that's less than what so-called skilled trades, such as carpenters, masons, and plumbers made. And at this point, blacksmiths, to be a blacksmith, you didn't have to do an apprenticeship or anything, which you did have to do if you wanted to be a carpenter or cabinet maker, like William Franklin Shackelford or his older brother before he became a pharmacist, Cumberland Morgan. So usually you would have a blacksmith to shoe horses, but you might notice on Ruth Shackelford's 1865 diary, on July 31st, it says that Frank shooed one of At's oxen. So this was a skill that Frank had. He probably didn't do the more difficult things, but that was something he could do. But of course, in the September 29th entry I read in the introduction, Abraham Kirkland and Mr. Ryan were doing blacksmithing. They were like, getting horseshoes all ready for their for continued travel. So they had two separate blacksmiths in their close group. But of course, Mr. Ryan remained in California and blacksmith there. All right. Back to the back to Abraham Kirkland and his family. So Jacob Sr. passed away in 1853. And the household in Monroe County in 1860 consisted of Margaret Kirkland, Jacob's widow, who was listed, this is awesome, both as head of household and as a farmer. So I hadn't seen a female head of household actually listed as a farmer in the census records to this point that I've been looking at in this project. So 
She was both head of household and a farmer, which was great. And then Elijah Kirkland, who was the son between Abraham and Jacob Jr., he was then 25, and he's listed as a farmhand, so maybe he'd put the blacksmithing away for a little bit. In 1860 and elsewhere, Jacob Jr. was living in the household of H.B. Williams, both, you might have guessed it, blacksmiths, um, living in Lexington, Lafayette County, Missouri, which is about 40 miles east of Kansas City. So John, the eldest brother, who had a separate household in 1850, he was in California by this time. Uh, And I'll talk about that in a bit, but I have no idea where Abraham was. Um, I do suspect that since Abraham married Charlotte Daltz the next year in 1861, and they got married in Greene County, Missouri, in the southwestern corner of the state, that Abraham might have been in that area in 1860, but I haven't seen a census record for that yet, for him, haven't found anything for him yet. I couldn't find other information about Charlotte's family, except that they were from Pennsylvania, and that's where Charlotte herself was born, and that's listed in later census records. Abraham and Charlotte had their first child, Mary, in 1862. Their second child, their son, William Hurley, was born on May 8th, 1865, while the tra- while the family was traveling through Iowa. And this is the son that Ruth writes was not doing very well in late May and again in mid-June. But he lived and survived and then much later ended up in Texas. Um, so I don't think that Kirkland's were traveling in the same party as the Shacklefords through Iowa and Missouri. I think they probably all joined the same large wagon train west of Plattsmith, Nebraska, so after they'd crossed the Missouri River. And I think that's because the first mention of the Kirklands in Ruth's diary was in late May 1865. And so they, they probably hadn't been traveling together until they joined that big train. And it was a large train. You had people who you might not see. In the last episode, I said that the we didn't hear about the Rhines for about a month, possibly because they were traveling in a different part of the train from the Shacklefords. And so... There's a lot going on. The Kirklands travel with the Shackelfords and Gatewoods to, to San Bernardino, California, and they're there in late in November of 1865. I found other records that Abraham's older brother John was ca- was in Calaveras County with his family by 1866, and that he had been in California since 1860 since his second child was born in the state that year. Calaveras is southeast of Sacramento, so much further north than San Bernardino. John was listed as uh, being a minor in 1866, but by 1870, he once again was a blacksmith. So Abraham and Charlotte's third child, Susan, was born while they were living in San Bernardino, so towards right before they headed back for Missouri. So after they start their trip back to Missouri, the traveling party stopped in Hood County, Texas, as I mentioned. They stopped there for about a month, and that's how we know that by 1868, Jacob Jr. was established as a blacksmith in Thorpe Springs and had married Mary Oxer. And of course, through this connection, Atwell Gatewood met his second wife, Emily Oxer, who was Mary's sister. 
1870, Jacob and his family moved to Granbury, the seat of Hood County, and that is where they remained. Of course, the Shacklefords, along with the Kirklands, settled in Roscoe, St. Clair County, Missouri, which is in the southwestern corner of the state, in 1868. In 1870, the Kirklands were still in Roscoe, in St. Clair County, but in 1880, they were in Monroe County, which is where Abraham had grown up, so near the, the center of the state. By 1900, they were living in Indian Territory, the current state of Oklahoma, within Cherokee Nation. But by 1910, they were once again in Missouri, but living in Vernon County, on the western edge of Missouri, north of Joplin. And so, unlike the Shackelfords, so Frank Shackelford and Ruth, who settled down in St. Clair County... St. Clair is just a stopping place for the Kirklands. They stay there for a little while and then go back to Monroe and Indian Territory and all around. And they, although they never made a trip nearly as far as they did in 1865. couple more notes. Thankfully, Abraham and Charlotte resisted naming their children after Abraham's family members. So it's easier to distinguish between generations at this point. And... Of their three sons, only David, born in 1873, became a blacksmith. And now for some endnotes. As always, Ruth Shackelford's diaries were published in The Covered Wagon Women, Volume 9. Something really cool that I found were the Kentucky marriage licenses for the elder Abraham and Jacob for when they married the McGee sisters. And this is the one for Jacob Kirkland. Here we go. Jacob and Margaret McGee's marriage license said, quote, Know all men by these present that we, Jacob Kirkland and Robert McGee, are held and firmly bound unto the Commonwealth of Kentucky in the penal sum of 50 pounds current money, to the payment of which well and truly to be made to the said Commonwealth, we bind ourselves, our heirs, etc., jointly and severally, firmly, by these present sealed with our seals and dated the 7th day of August, 1822. The condition of the above obligation is such that whereas there is a license about to issue for a marriage intended to be solemnized between the above-bound Jacob and Margaret McGee, now if there be no lawful cause to abstract said marriage, then the above obligation to be void, else to remain in full force and virtue, end quote. And that was both sealed, signed with seals and witnessed. And I, I posted this one as a sneak peek for all supporters on Patreon. Um, this is something I do, some, something cool I found, I posted it the week before the episode drops. So if you want a sneak peek like this, can join for as little as $2 per month, and you'll get to see these. All right. Um, other sources of information include, as always, the US, U.S. census records of various years in Kentucky, Missouri, Texas, California, and Indian Territory for this time. Um, I found all of these on all but one on FamilySearch, and links to all of them are in the show notes, as are links for everything here. The California Great Register provided information about John Kirkland in Calaveras, California. So that was the 1866 and that he was a minor at that time and not a blacksmith. 
The information about land patents in Monroe County for the elder Abraham and Jacob, I first learned about from the Missouri Digital Heritage website. I'll post the link for their land records. But I confirmed the land patents, um, which are more official, by accessing the Bureau of Land Management's GLO land patents. The website had been down for a few days, but now seems to be working, which is great. So you can search for land patents if you're interested. Both the elder Jacob and Abraham are mentioned in the history of Monroe and Shelby Counties, Missouri. Um, And that book is available through the Missouri Digital Heritage website. You can uh, do a find and search the search for Jacob or just search for Kirkland and you'll find them both. Information about blacksmithing and carpentry in the 1860s that I provided is from a book called The Expansion of Daily Life, 1860 through 1876, and that's by Daniel E. Sutherland. In the next episode, I'm going to start wrapping up this season of the Hellenaki Deep Dive about the Shacklefords, and I'll do that by discussing the Shacklefords route in 1865 and how I've mapped that route. Thanks for listening. Email questions or comments to deepdive at helenaki.com or ask them on the Helenaki Deep Dive Facebook page. Show notes with links to resources mentioned in this episode are available at helenaki.com. That's H-E-L-O-N-A-K-I.com. You can also find ways to support the show, now including merch such as t-shirts, mugs, and stickers with the Helenaki Deep Dive logo. And you can find those at helenaki.com support. My thanks to Patreon supporter at the geospatial analyst level, Leah Varel. Your support keeps the Helenaki Deep Dive going. The Helenaki Deep Dive is written and produced by me, Jen Globius, of the Helenaki. The theme music is Deep Ocean Instrumental by Dan O of danosongs.com. Additional sounds from zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening.